Welcome to the Heart and Soul Wellness Podcast, where we inspire women by teaching applicable skills and tools and assisting them with connecting with one another, healing, and aspiring to their highest selves so they can reach their full potential. Thank you so much for joining us. It's such an honor to be with you. Um, as I've talked about in my previous podcasts, I am the owner of Heart and Soul Wellness, and I'm a trauma-informed therapist. I'm certified in EMDR, and I really focus on supporting women through their healing journey, um, especially when it comes to trauma. Most of the women I work with are healing from narcissistic abuse, um, as well as sexual trauma and other traumatic experiences they've had in their life. So what I want to talk about today is how we heal from really traumatic experiences. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about the brain, but also how we are able to, um, how we can use those natural healing capacities that we have um, so that we can make choices that are going to, so that we can move forward. I want to share one of my favorite poems. And the reason why I like it is it speaks to reclaiming your life. It speaks to that moment you have where things become so clear that you realize you can't continue going down the same path you've been going down all these years or for whatever matter of time that may have been. So this is The Journey by Mary Oliver. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. Though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried, each voice cried, but you didn't stop and knew what you had to do. Though the wind pried with its stiff fingers, the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough and the wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own that kept you company as you strode deeper, deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. I like this poem because I think it speaks to... There are times where we get to a moment in our lives where we realize uh, this path is not the one I'm going to continue to go down. I don't want my life to continue to look like this. Um, it is the case for many women when we get to a certain, and men, but when you get to a certain point, um, you think about where will I be in 10, 15, or 20 years if I stay in this relationship? And what is my life going to look like? And even for someone who perhaps chooses to stay, it may even be the question, if I do stay, if I continue to live my life without boundaries, live my life in the same way, where will I be and what will happen? Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is our autonomic nervous system. And when we're in an abusive relationship or a relationship where there's gaslighting or when you're living with a narcissist, which is absolutely so horrendous on the autonomic nervous system on our you're just constantly in fight or flight mode 
Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about your window of tolerance. So there's three mind states, and one of them um, is our window of tolerance, and I'll include a picture of this in the show notes. We have talked about this in previous podcast episodes, but I'm going to go into more detail this time. Um, so we have hypoarousal, and of course, this is when we shut down. This is when we become very depressed. This is when we numb or dissociate. So we have a stressful event, and then our brain just decides it's too much to take in that moment, and then we shut down. And when we shut down, we go into a numb state, or it could even feel like a frozen state, but a state where we are checked out, numb, depressed, not present, okay? And then we have our hyperarousal, which is the other extreme, which is anxiety, hypervigilant, racing thoughts, um, obsessive thoughts, um, you're in that state of not being able to settle down, feeling overwhelmed. Um, you, could, you could have a panic attack in this state. You could be highly anxious in this state. You could be experiencing PTSD symptoms in this state. And then the, the middle space is our window of tolerance. And this is where we're able to regulate emotions as we have stressors come into our life. So as we experience um, stress, then we're able to utilize our skills and regulate. Now, if you are living with a narcissist and or you're experiencing PTSD and or you are experiencing um, any and all of the side effects that come after ending a relationship or even staying in a relationship, um, it takes an incredible toll on your autonomic nervous system. Bottom line, there's no way around it. It is um, very um, taxing on you. Multiple reasons. One is you don't know to expect, first of all. And the second reason is primarily that um, that we're not meant to be in those types of constant stressful situations. Essentially, when you're living with a narcissist, you're always running from a bear. You don't know what to expect. You're walking on eggshells. You don't know when the next event or fight is going to be. And so... I hope today I can give you some tools that are going to help you if you are currently in a relationship with a narcissist, if you're in an abusive relationship and or um, you just want some more um, options or some skills and tools to help you. And this is whether you're in a relationship or even if you're out of a relationship and you're recovering from PTSD and trauma from what you've experienced. So the first thing I want to say is... Nothing that has happened to you is your fault. Um, it is not your responsibility what the narcissist is choosing to do. And the most empowering thing you can do right now in your life is choosing to give all of that responsibility back to the person who, who chose that action, who chose those behaviors. You are not causing it. There's nothing that you are doing that is... Um, creating this issue. There's three C's we'd like to talk about. Um, you didn't cause it, you can't control it, and you can't cure it. You will not be able to cure what's happening with your partner. That is a set of choices and behaviors that they are choosing to engage in out of their own brokenness, but has nothing to do with you. However, there is um, the narcissistic narcissist empath connection and essentially what that means is that the empath because of 
you know, loving kindness because of the way empaths like to um, be supportive to others because of the ways empaths like to um, be, yeah, be supportive, like be loving, um, give, 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 right? Until you have nothing left. Um, because the empath typically engages in some of those behaviors, the narcissist then draws the energy from the, from the empath because of their own lack of authenticity, um, their own lack of sense of self. They are literally feeding their energy from the empath. And they're trying to reach a state of homeostasis because for a narcissist, they have a very deflated, deflated ego and they're drawing energy from the, from the empath in order to try to find some sense of, um, grounding essentially. Um, obviously very manipulative, abusive behaviors. However, that's what they're doing, um, from like a very self-centered way of getting their own needs met. So the empath um, ends up feeling drained and it creates a relationship of codependency. And there's a lot of um, misinterpretation of codependency. I don't think we really understand truly what codependency is. Um, codependency isn't even really that you're fully dependent on another person, but the narcissist wants that. The narcissist wants to create a situation where you are not empowered. The primary thing that happens in these types of relationships um, and the, the behaviors that the narcissist engages in is taking away the power of the empath, um, is taking away your power. And the reason, the reason for that is that's how they're feeding their own sense of power and their own sense of entitlement, their own sense of um, this false sense of who they are. And, you know, if you've listened to my previous podcasts, the biggest indicators of narcissism is a um, entitlement, a sense of entitlement, um, as well as like a lot of facades, right? A lot of masks that are being wear, worn, um, deceitfulness and dishonesty in ways you wouldn't realize. This is why some people have a hard time acknowledging it because um, they may, there may be very discreet ways that the narcissist is dishonest. And so it may be easy, easier to say, oh, well, you know, they're pretty honest in what they do, but yet there's these very discreet ways. They're not really honest about their emotions or their feelings are not really um, authentic from one environment to another. There's not a lot of transparency. Um, there's a lot of facades going on. And then the other thing I wanted to mention um, is that for the narcissist, they really do feed off of um, a sense of power and entitlement. Um, for some people, they do end up um, really, some of the facades could be like, you know, needing to be a powerful CEO or really putting themselves into work or putting themselves into other things. Sometimes um, there's even times where um, a narcissist might really be um, engaged in a lot of humanitarian efforts or really engaged in their community. So everybody says, oh, this is such a great person. Um, yet it is from this place of the false self of um, wanting this acknowledgement from others, but yet being very disconnected from themselves and actually um, doing it from the place of their own self-fulfillment, not necessarily from a place of wanting to make the world a better place. 
Um, okay, so coming back to what you do now that we understand narcissism, one of the things that you do is focus on your own life and detach from the behaviors that the narcissist is engaging. And I understand this is incredibly and tremendously difficult. This is not an easy task. However, the relationship thrives on you taking the responsibility and you taking the blame. And that's that's how the narcissist stays in that unhealthy dysfunctional pattern. So they don't want to take any responsibility for anything. Everything is going to be somebody else's fault. You are the scapegoat. You're the one that's causing the problems. And then the more you internalize and take on these messages, the more it will impact your self-esteem. It will impact your self-worth. It will impact your own sense of power and belonging. So what you can do is essentially identify the facts of what of what is happening. What are the behaviors that he is choosing to engage in? How are they impacting you? Being really honest with yourself about how they're impacting you, how they're impacting your children, how they're impacting the people around you. Once you do that, you're going to be able to see things a little bit more clearly um, and be able to see through some of the facades or maybe even the deceit or the ways where um, the narcissist may be blaming you, you'll be able to see through that and acknowledge this is not mine. This was your choice. And so the more you can separate yourself, detangle yourself from that um, responsibility of the nar- of your, the narcissist, that's going to be a very empowering place for you. And then focusing on your own life, your own goals, what you want to create in your life, whether you're choosing to stay at this point or to leave, this is the best advice I could give you would be to start to do your own work, get into therapy, look for a therapist who gets it, someone who understands this stuff, and then start to engage in the healing process, recognizing that this takes time. So coming back to your autonomic nervous system, Eye movement desensitization reprocessing is one of the most effective tools for supporting people with healing from trauma. It's evidence-based. It's been around since the 1970s, and it helps people to move forward. It's very effective, um, and it's not something you have to do where you're going to have to be in therapy for, I mean, if you have a lot of complex trauma, you will be in for a period of time, but it's not something where you're going to have to be in therapy for years and years and years. A lot of people are able to resolve um, traumas, even complex traumas, in a very short amount of time if you compare that to traditional talk therapy. Eye movement desensitization reprocessing is a phenomenal tool with helping us to heal from trauma. And I'll explain it in a couple of ways. So one of the ways that we store memories is through emotions, body sensations, thoughts, what we see, what we hear, all of those things that impact us at the time of trauma. When we use EMDR, we're using rapid eye movements so that you are desensitized to that experience. So we bring up something that's traumatic that you're still feeling distress over. And then we're able to move through all the components of memory. And my favorite part is that we get to instill a positive belief, which means we're able to wipe that slate clean, essentially. So when we go through experiences, our negative beliefs and our narratives are tied into some of the experiences that we've had. So, for example, 
Um, if I was abandoned by my dad, I might have a belief of I'm not good enough. So if I can clear out all those components of that memory and then install a positive belief of I am good enough, that is my new format. Just think about wiping a hard drive and then reformatting it. You have a new foundation or a new structure, a new program to then work from. Um, and so I do recommend that um, mind-body exercises. Make sure that you are taking care of yourself every single day, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Emotionally, have one mantra that you say to yourself all day long. And it could be, it's not my fault. Whatever it is that you need, I want you to think about one mantra or something small that you can say to yourself every single day. And even if you're not in that place yet where you're ready to believe it, um, then just start looking for evidence that it's not your fault. Looking for reasons why perhaps this is not your fault or ways that it's not your fault and actually thinking about shifting the responsibility that's being put on you then to the person who, your partner who is putting responsibility on you. And then the second thing I would say is um, make sure that you've got some some physical activities that are supportive to you. Could be yoga, could be dance, could be, um, I love to go bike riding. It could be something you enjoy, but some kind of physical movement. This helps your body to process the emotions that you've been holding on to so we don't keep them stored in our bodies. Then the third thing is spirituality. Now, I know if you are not religious, that's fine. That's not what this is about. Going outside and walking can be a spiritual activity. Um, mindfulness, meditation, that can be a spiritual activity. Finding a poem that you really like and reading that can be a spiritual activity. Your spirituality is yours. You get to choose what it is and how you want it to be. But have something. And then making sure that you have some kind of connection is critical when you're healing from narcissistic abuse. Some of the symptoms or some of the side effects of being in a relationship like this, we know is low self-esteem. Um, a lot of times, even just our own thoughts, the way we talk to ourselves, the way we view our experiences, those are things that we need to change. And it does take time. It doesn't happen overnight. But it will as you start to engage in this work of loving kindness and compassion, looking for ways during your day where you can actually just, you find yourself in that critical place, see if you can bring yourself back. I'm doing the best I can. And see if you can be kind to yourself and even talk to yourself the way you would to a friend or um, your, your kid, right? Like if they came to you and they were hurting, like how would you respond? Think about how you can respond that way to yourself when you're going through this work. Um, having someone that can help you see it clearly. If you are stuck in a space where you are really beating yourself up or you feel that you deserve it or you feel that um, there's no way out, Having someone who can give you perspective. A therapist is a good option. Healthy friends and connection is critical in this work. Having people that are supportive of you and have healthy behaviors, um, those are the people that you want in your life. You want to build that sense of community and connection. It is one of the number one uh, protective factors when we go through trauma is having connection and community. It's interesting, though, because oftentimes in these relationships, that's the one thing that 
um, your partner may try to cut you off from, but it's the most critical thing that you have in your life. Um, I mean, absolutely looking for ways to find that connection. Um, finding things that you enjoy doing. You are just as important as everybody else. Um, your needs is as, are just as important as your partner's needs. And so noticing if you find yourself continually setting aside what you want or what you need to satisfy somebody else, and then knowing that it's okay to say, communicate your needs. It's okay to be assertive. It's okay to express the things that you are feeling and the things that you are thinking. So if we don't know what that is, then we have to start somewhere. And the way that we start somewhere is by writing down what is important to me. What are my needs? Um, how can I be more present with myself? Oftentimes our focus can be on everyone else, which is a good place to be. However, self-care is not narcissistic. Self-care is an act of compassion and increases our empathy for other people. So working on yourself, figuring out what are things that I can heal within myself? What are things that I can improve on? What are my goals? What things do I want for myself? And being very honest with yourself as you can, as you start to become more and more aware of how your relationship has impacted you, notice that it takes time to uncover all of this. So if you've left a relationship, um, you may find yourself getting really pissed off as you start to realize everything you went through, you know, because perhaps you were shut down during some of that time. The brain cannot process everything at once. And so as you leave a relationship, you may start to get very angry and have a lot of emotions to process. And I would highly recommend a really well-trained therapist in trauma as well as, um, as well as narcissism so that you can find that support that you need, as well as EMDR mind-body activities, trauma-informed yoga. These are all evidence-based practices that have been um, a research base, highly effective in terms of helping us to heal from trauma. And as we know, complex trauma is where we have more than one traumatic incident. And I, if you are healing from narcissistic abuse, you likely have some complex trauma. You can talk with your therapist about that. And so utilizing, thinking about this, utilizing as many tools as you can so that you can heal and so that you can thrive and giving yourself permission to do that, to engage in healing, recognizing that you matter, that you are important and that you get to do some of this work and that it's going to help you to heal and thrive. You're not just going to survive, but you will thrive. I absolutely believe that. When we put in the work, we do. Um, it's just a natural result of doing the work and taking good care of ourselves. Um, the other thing that I would mention is along with positive self-talk and community is um, journaling, finding ways. And when you journal, I want you to really think about what are my strengths? What are the good things about me? It's going to create some cushion for you. If you still have a narcissist in your life or someone who's still um, creating chaos in your life, where you can come back and acknowledge I have these strengths, noticing 
the good things that you do throughout the day, really being your own cheerleader, really allowing yourself to take that step of acknowledging um, the positive things that you are doing in your life. It's going to help to work through some of the gaslighting and some of the criticism and complaining that you may have experienced. Um, And then lastly, I just want to express how important it is to do this work. It is, as I see women engage in this work, it's incredible to see how their entire families change, how when they finally, when we start to set boundaries, how that starts to become more comfortable. And, um, you know, we're able to really become become who we want to be instead of feeling small and instead of feeling minimized you have the ability to expand and also to think about what are some of my strengths and what are some of my goals and how do I want to work on these important areas in my life and recognizing that you are just as important as everyone else in your life and so every day if you can Think about physically, emotionally, spiritually. What are my goals for today? I know I have stuff to get done. And also, how can I incorporate a few minutes of self-care? Even if it is 10 minutes, truly something is better than nothing. Oftentimes, we think if I don't have a full hour, then, you know, I'm not going to do it at all. But any little times that you can sneak in to practice self-care, it will matter. You are going to feel more recharged and that's the, uh, the last thing is I would really encourage you to research boundaries. Think about what boundaries you want in your life. This is how you're going to connect your own sense of self and be able to trust yourself again. Because the narcissist wants to do everything they can to take away your ability to trust yourself. But you are able to, you're able to say, oh. I get to trust myself. I get to listen in. But in order to listen in, we have to increase that self-trust with ourselves. So by setting boundaries and detaching from another person's energy and getting connected with our own energy, our own sense of self, is going to help us with being able to identify the boundaries we need to set, when we need to set them, and who we need to set them with. You are all phenomenal individuals. It's such an honor to meet with you every week or to see you every week. Um, Thank you so much for listening. And I hope to see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Heart and Soul Wellness Podcast with your host, Sarah Carter. Make sure to like and subscribe. And if you have any thoughts about what we talked about today, leave a comment. Also, you can find us at heartandsoulwellness.org and on Facebook and Instagram. Join us again as we continue to help women heal, connect, and aspire to their true and authentic selves.